It's been a good, uh, good Sunday service morning because the Lord, the presence of the Lord is in the house, amen? And um, I knew when the Lord spoke last night, he said communion. And uh, I also knew the Lord spoke to me very early this morning. My wife was saying, wait, you received an extra hour. Why are you getting up an even extra hour earlier? And I just whispered, it's all well, and left her there. Well, I went out in the dark of the house because the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, you're going to need to fight through some things this morning. And so I didn't want to just come here all sleepy and I wanted to be all ready to fight. And uh, we got here and of course, one of the furnaces wasn't working. Ralph helped to get that going. It was a little chilly. I started warming the house up early, very early. And uh, we went over to here and the keyboard doesn't work. And uh, so you saw me on this keyboard and a few other things that um, attempted to get in the way of what God is doing. But you see, if we've been around long enough and we've been through enough, we laugh. We begin to laugh at such things. It doesn't mean it doesn't irritate us. You're allowed to be irritated. And, um, but I don't know about you, but this Italian Jew can be pretty dangerous when he's agitated. And so... You know, that's when the streak comes out in me. And the little streak came out this morning, and I was swinging at things, Jim. I don't know what I was swinging at, but I was swinging at them in here. And I was telling them that we're not going to be moved by it. And then God shows up. And he begins to do a work in our hearts and touches us in the most sensitive places to help us to soften some more. And we thank him for that. And I want to thank each and every one of you because I grow and get strength from you. Some that I haven't seen in a while, some that came back. My friend in the back, I was put in prayer for you, not once, not twice, but three times this week. I even asked somebody how I could get in contact with you and they didn't know, so make sure I get your number. Um, many times I get in prayer for many of you. Um, most of the time I don't say anything to you because it's not, a lot of times we don't get words of knowledge and insight so that we can just go with them. We get them so that we can be a silent intercessor and a mover and a shaker. And um, I find that to be very refreshing. Amen. I find it to be very refreshing to know that somebody somewhere is praying somehow for me, even when I don't know what, where, how, and when, but I know God is doing something with it. Isn't that a blessing in the kingdom of God? One of the ways I was blessed the most in all my walk was from a little frail, I don't know if she was um, from Russia, I don't think so, maybe from Europe, maybe a Finnish woman. She had one of those, those kind of, of, of accents that sounded like it, almost like a Dutch, you know, Dutch, 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 one of those kind of things. And we were, uh, just came off of a very tough time in my life, which was obviously complicating my wife's life, where I'd been crippled and put in a wheelchair and wasn't supposed to walk again. And I had crippling rheumatoid arthritis that came from a, an acute, a very acute salmonella poisoning of which there were, at that time, I don't know if there's more, only four cases recorded in Western medicine at the time. And um, it darn near killed me. And then it creeped through my body and I was unable to walk and had such pain. I was swollen up like nothing you could believe. My, my legs were this big and red. The skin was so sore you couldn't touch it. 
And the diagnosis of the doctor was, well, we can't do anything to treat this. You're going to have to live with it. We'll give you pain pills. And by the way, 99% plus, you're going to be like this the rest of your life. Well, to make the story shorter, my wife didn't accept that. We hadn't been married too long, and she, we already had a, uh, a couple children, and she was said, well, and she wheeled me out of there and began to pray in tongues, and uh, I was completely bankrupt at that point in my spirit. And uh, by the grace of God, we began to fight back. Slowly but surely, I got out of that wheelchair, not without effort, not without a lot of pain, not without, but fought and fought and fought in faith. And three months later, was in the streets of Jerusalem with what they called the Jerusalem March. And the Jerusalem March is not just for faith people. In fact, they really don't actually invite the faith people. They tolerate the faith people in it. But comes all of the different socialist organizations, the kibbutz, the military, the politics, everybody, and they march in their own area, and it goes on a long time. And then they somehow they weave uh, some of uh, Christians in there who, uh, who, who join and march. And uh, I was able to not only march there, but was actually able to run. And ran with a uh, banner that said Yeshua HaMashiach. And, and while I was running, and I finally came to a stop because... I was out of breath and out of shape and it ran for a while. It's about a three mile march at least. Um, this lady came to me, little frail woman. And I didn't know what to do at first because I didn't know if she was agitated with my banner. I mean, you know, going through Jerusalem with Yeshua HaMashiach, it's going to get you in a little trouble. And, um, and I figured, well, she's so small, I think I can take her. Even, even in my present condition. So I'm looking at her, and she's getting closer, and I'm looking for my wife, and I can't find her, and I'm looking for help, and there's nobody around, so I just put the banner down, said, hello, and she came up and grabbed my face, pulled me down to her face, and I began to smell this garlic onion breath moving into my face, and she said, this is it, this is it. And I'm thinking, what's it, what's it? This is the face, this is the face. And I'm saying, okay, this is the face I've been praying for the past 10 years. This is the face. And then she smiled and held my face in her hands and said something in a language I never heard before and then went away. And I said, wow. This woman's been praying for this face for all those years. That blessed me. And it gave me encouragement to know that the Lord had already been depositing the prayers for me from an intercessor from somewhere else in the earth that I may never see again and probably won't until the heavenly places to deal with what I needed to deal with when I wasn't able to pray for myself. Praise God. So... I thank the Lord for you. Thank you for being here. We're gonna just touch on what we have. I have, um, I have about 46 pages of sermon here, literally. And I knew I wasn't gonna get through 
Mindy, don't be worried. I'm not going to give all 46 right now, my brother. I knew I wasn't going to get through 46 pages. I thought I was going to get through 10 or 12. Ain't going to happen. We're going to get through two. Is that okay, Ralph? We're good? Okay. Two. Two pages. I'm going to, I want to turn to the book of Luke and um, the gospel of Luke. And I'd like to start in verse five. And I want to read some scripture to you. I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you. And then I'm just going to touch on it. And I'm going to spoon feed you a, a little bit of tidbits of morsels that maybe will entice you for next Sunday if the Lord allows. We're going to build on this. And um, what I'm building on is faith unto faith and righteousness unto righteousness. And what it is is that there's a faith that grows into a stronger faith that goes from a righteousness into a stronger righteousness from which comes the strongest faith. And we're gonna connect those dots. I've been sort of touching on it with you. I'm not gonna give you all the platform and background for righteousness again. There's actually 13 sermons on it now as it's been growing. They'll all be compiled together. You'll be able to get them. Uh, just a little anecdote for a second and then my wife will remind me where to go back to. But how many of you uh, were here or were able to see uh, or, or to see it on YouTube uh, the, the sermon on talismans. Okay, not enough. Um, it's been actually pretty widely received and I'm going to probably do an op-ed on, on talismans in our government next week or the following week. Pray for me because I'm walking on a slippery slope. The reason being is that the minute that you begin to, to step on people's talismans, they get very offended and defensive, but, but the Lord hasn't given me a choice. You know, when you have a prophetic voice uh, that you just don't repeat every week, I'm not one of those guys that's trying to put something out every week so that I'm building a prophetic ministry. Um, I, I only speak when the Lord tells me I have to, and then usually I fight him for a while because it's not an easy thing to say. This isn't an easy one to say. And um, I'm sure there's gonna be some crossed eyes how to accept it. But what I would like for you in our ministry is that you're able to get this message of talismans because it helps us. A talisman is something that's a pious superstition. It means it's like wearing a cross because you think it's going to fend off evil spirits. Um, it's like saying the same prayer as a ritual at certain times in the day because you believe it's going to do something for you. Uh, it's no different in a spiritual sense than somebody who turns their hat backwards because once they did, their favorite ball player hit a home run, so now they do it every time. Um, it's no different than hanging something off your mirror because you think it's going to keep your car from crashing. There's pious, super talismans that creep into our lives as Christians, and we're not even aware of them. And we do the same thing the same way because we think we're gonna get the same result we got one other time. And what it does is it blocks us from moving in the faith that God would have us to move in. So I would like you to have that. I don't know how many of those tapes we have made, but um, I would like you to have that tape. And um, you know, if you wanna give an offering for that tape when you do it, fine. If not, I want you to have it anyway. So next Sunday, uh, we're going to make a bunch of those tapes for next Sunday, and I want you to have it, and I want you to share it, 
and, and um, I want you to pray over it. And if you don't like it and because it, you don't like me, then you can smash it and stomp on it and spit on it and do all those good things. Or maybe you want to put it in your underwear drawer and when you get down to your last pair, take it back out and look at it again because maybe it has the same value to you. I don't know. But in any regard, I'd like you to have it. And I want you to be challenged by it. And it is challenging. It challenged me. And we're going to challenge the nation with it. And we're going to challenge the Christian faith in the nation with it very shortly. I need your prayers. Not because I'm afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. It's hard for me to be afraid of those things. But because I don't want to ever be divisive. You know, a prophetic word is supposed to edify. And so we have to be careful because something can be condemning that's prophetic. We want it to edify. But edify also means it can bring correction. And the Christian body, especially the prophetic Christian body in this country, needs some very serious correction. It's going sideways. People are prophesying stuff they don't have a clue what they're saying, and they're saying the same thing over and over, and they're prophesying things that aren't going to happen. So there needs to be some correction. And because of that, it dilutes and waters down what the Lord is doing. And it closes eyes with false expectations. So we want to have our eyes wide open. We want to remember who we are, what we're supposed to do, and hear the word of the Lord and test the word of the Lord and then walk in obedience to the word of the Lord. So back to this. Let me go through this very quickly. There's a righteousness under righteousness. That's about as far as I'm going to get today. And I want to start that by giving you one of the most familiar examples in scriptures that there is. It comes out of Luke and it's a, it starts off with the birth of John the Baptist. And in that we see there was in the days of Herod the king of, of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of, this, of the course, and, or else it would say of the division of Abijah. And his wife was of the daughter of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Now some of you may have Abijah cut short for Abi, but it's Abijah, Abijah from um, the book of Chronicles. And it says they were both righteous before God, and that being Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Sound like an old story? Moses and Sarah, God bringing something new in the earth through barren wombs, through wombs that feel like there's no life left. Not just wombs of life in a woman, but wombs of spiritual life in you and I. Wombs of spiritual life in the body of Christ. And so, it was that while he was serving, and that's Zacharias, as priest before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because I don't know if you've ever been taught on the division of Abijah or what it meant when his lot was meant for him to go burn incense in the Lord. You probably just scammed right over that because you want to get to the good juicy stuff that John the Baptist was, was oh boy. John the Baptist was born, and uh, here's one somebody left. John the Baptist was born, and, uh, and then to Jesus. Jesus was born. By the way, that, that, that according to Jewish tradition, they would call that good luck. I don't believe in luck. 
if you step on the wine glass and break it, that's what you do in a wedding. It's good luck, right? So bless the Lord. I'll take favor. Thank you, Father. I'll take favor. No accidents in God, right? We're marrying to something new here. Bless the Lord. So Abijah, when David was wanting to build the temple of the Lord, and this you could do all this research on your, for, on your own. It's out of First Chronicles. He knew there was too much blood on his hands. The Lord said no. But he also knew Solomon was a new king and also sort of knew in the ways of God. And so he wanted to equip him and, and make it prepared. So the things that he did was he began to accumulate and purchase and acquire all the things to build the temple. He even gave him the plans for the temple, but he just wasn't allowed to build it. And then what he did was he assigned uh, the different priests of the Levites in divisions, and there were 24 of them so that they wouldn't compete with each other and that there would become order again in the house of God with this new temple so that they would be able to serve the things of the temple. Well, one of those divisions, one of those orders was out of Abijah. Abijah came from the, the seed of Aaron and the seed of Eleazar directly. So if you were a descendant of Abijah, then you had the entitlement to be a Levitical priest in that division. Remember, there were 24 of them. And in this sense, um, they would have an equal opportunity to minister in the temple. You know, people think equal opportunity is new to our system. No, it goes back to the Davidic system. He was very concerned about equal opportunities. So, so he wanted to make sure there was no competition amongst the ministers. Wow, does that sound familiar? No competition in the body of Christ. No competition in ministries. And so there were 24 of them, and the order of Abijah was the eighth order. And then what he did was he said, well, wait a minute. There's 24 of them, and with them we have divisions within the division, subdivisions. So let's do it so that each one of them will only minister in the temple for two weeks. So one division would have two weeks. And then, so that they had some sense of reasonableness and no competition, so that there wasn't an upper class within the division and everybody was equal, what they did was they would cast lots. And that lot was cast to see what they would do. Well, right here, Zechariah had a lot cast, and it was during his two-week service in the temple, and we're going to find out that his job was to burn incense. And he was offering up prayers. What are incense in the book of Revelation? Prayers unto the Lord. So his call, his assignment in the temple was to offer up incense to the Lord. And he got it uh, supposedly by chance. So now you understand a little bit more about Zacharias. He wasn't the, 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 uh, the priest of the temple, as some have taught. He was a priest. One of many priests who happened by chance to have his point to be right at that moment when he was going to offer up incense. And with the incense, obviously, they're praying. Because what happens if a priest of the Lord offers up a false incense to God? They get killed. They get destroyed. Strange fire to the Lord is not tolerated in the temple of the Lord. So you can imagine Zechariah was like, and he's putting it up there and he's looking and he's watching. He's in there in fear for two weeks, offering up the incense and the prayers of the Lord. So now let's go back to what we're reading. And in it, 
It says, uh, the whole malt of the, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. So you understand why in Revelation it says there's a burning bowls of prayers that are an incense unto the Lord. This, is a, this was a foreshadow of what our prayers are unto God today. That's why the 100-day prayers is so important. That's why it's not something, I know some of you are so busy, but please, it's an incense unto the Lord. And there are people outside and people inside praying. We're offering up this incense, what God told us to do. And he said, after that, there was gonna be a breakthrough in your lives. So, so look at the breakthrough that happened in Zechariah's life. At the moment that he was in agreement with offering up prayers of incense, which was the custom. So the people were outside praying at the hour of incense. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Somebody say the angel of the Lord. And then, now do you think this happened every time he offered up incense? I think it's the only time it happened. And after what happened, he probably was hoping he'd never come again. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Get Get the richness of the word of God. Which side of the altar was he standing on? Where is our Christ? Where is righteousness? On the right side of the altar. Righteousness, the angel came with the word of the Lord from righteousness. Are you getting it? I'm making this as simple as I can. From righteousness. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. You know why? He thought they were going to kill him because of a strange fire. He thought he was going to die just like the sons of Aaron who put the strange fire. He said, please. I'm I'm sure he would. And the angel had a word for him, right? By the way, that might have been a prayer language, so you all respect it. (laughs) But the angel said unto him, notice it says, but. The angel said to him, I could imagine the angel probably spoke in a very comforting language, like a doctor does to somebody who's about to die. The angel spoke to him and said, don't be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. Hmm, your prayer is heard. What was he praying? Don't kill me? That might have been one of them. Lord, accept this sacrifice. That might have been another one, but it was another one. It was one that was stretching his faith in the temple that he couldn't help himself with at the point when he was called out of all of the priests that were coming out of Abijah of the 24 divisions when the lot fell for him to have that period of time to do the incense in the two weeks that he was supposed to be there. And he might have only been there that one time in his life because it probably fell on other people, Janine. It probably wasn't him every time. He wasn't the one that brought the prayer to the altar every time. Somebody else brought the prayer to the altar. That was his time, his time at the altar. For your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Now, to every culture, people want a son to keep the namesake going, most, right? I mean, we love daughters and sons equally, but we we pray for a son to keep the namesake going or to keep the culture going because the seed comes from the son, right? And so we understand that's the source. That's the father. The father is the source. He's the resource. The father is the source. 
And so in this instance, we now see that Zechariah somehow, he was praying for a son. But yet, in his own prayer, he had doubt. And then he says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, you shall call his name John. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Zechariah had never heard such a thing. You understand that. The real HaKadosh, nobody ever said anybody was filled with the Holy Spirit prior to that, to a Jew or for a Jew, for anybody. It was the first time John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit, which means, which means that some of our religious thoughts get shattered, don't they? I'm going to deal with that in a moment or maybe next week. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's the era we're living in right now, isn't it? And the foolishness of people said, well, we're waiting for Elijah and Moses to come back. And Jesus said, he's already come and you knew him not. And he's going to come again, and you will not know him again. It's the spirit of Elijah. He was operating in the spirit of Elijah. We want to think rational with prophetic word when God is giving us spiritual gems. And when we rationalize it, we lose the prophetic meaning of what God is giving. And that, by the way, with a little anecdote, is the dilemma and the delusion that's upon the earth right now. People. Even people that are speaking prophetic words are rationalizing the words of God. Got to be very careful doing that. I dare say to you, Isaiah didn't have a clue of everything he was saying. And boy, he said a lot. He said it all. Virgin birth, I declare this, I declare that, I go before you, I will call you from the north, the south, the east, and the west. He had so many prophecies. All he was doing was what the Lord said, and when he was all done, he probably was, and people asked him, what did it mean? And he just looked at him. That's the word of the Lord. You take it for what it is. But today, we get prophetic words, and everybody wants to turn it into a roadmap like they understand it perfectly. Danger, danger. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Here we go. Now, the angel just told him, I answered your prayer. An angel showed up next to you. He told you I answered your prayer, and now he wants to argue with the angel. How many people want to argue with the word of the Lord? You know, there are those that when we declare something that's the word of the Lord, they want to argue with, oh, where does it say declare? Well, I'm going to give you a thousand instances where it says declare. They want to argue with the word of the Lord. Guess what just happens with them when they do that? God shuts their mouth, just like he did Zechariah's. You can't argue with the word of the Lord. God takes his word very seriously. God is jealous for his word. The word of God is the very living fiber and force of the spirit of God himself. It's alive. And so when we insult the declaration in the word of God, we insult the very live spirit of God. You gotta be careful. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I, how, how should I know this, right? For I am an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. Duh. God's, the angel's probably thinking to himself, you idiot. Didn't you hear about Abraham and Sarah already? We got to have this one more time. Right? And the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. 
right? Now he's telling them who he is. I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, but behold, but behold. That's not a good word. That's not a good word. You don't want somebody to say, but behold, when they're telling you the promise of the Lord. Because look what happens. You will be mute. And you will not be able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in your own time. And the people waited for Zacharias. And they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. They weren't marveling. They thought he was dead. Right? They thought he was dead. Strange fire. He didn't come out. What happened to Zacharias? That old fool, he's dead in there. Who's going to go get him? Not me. I'm not touching that place. Let his bones rot and stink. I'm not going in there. Let the next Levite who's called go in there. So they marveled. They didn't marvel. They were, they were like wondering. They were trembling because they were hoping the strange fire didn't come outside the door and get them too. And it says, behold, and the people waited for Zechariah. They marveled that he lingered so long in the temple, but when he came out, he could not speak to them. Well, if you had an angel show up, told you he's going to answer your prayers, you're going to have a son, you and your wife are too old to have a son, and then he tells you, now Stutzazitz, you're not allowed to speak no more, right? In Italian, Stutzazitz, he can't speak, you're stupid. And, and he comes out, he says, what am I going to tell these people? I don't even know how to talk to them. He's going to say, what, what? And so he sat there trying to figure it all out, and finally he just came out and goes, mm-hmm. and it says that. When he came out, he could not speak, and they perceived that he had seen a visual in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Can you imagine? He's going, charades. <laughs> and they're looking at him saying, something happened. Something happened. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed, the two weeks, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She hid herself five months. Why? She had a husband. Wasn't like Mary. Wasn't a virgin birth. She didn't have to explain anything to anybody except that her husband was now deaf and dumb. <laughs> Something happened in the temple. Why five months? Because there was a righteousness that was moving into another righteousness. There was a birthing that happened not just in her womb of the child that was already filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was about to do the birthing of another child. And there was a righteousness under righteousness. Go back up to the top in the beginning. And they were both righteous. Verse 6, before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. You walk it in the law of God, hard to do. I couldn't do it. Dare say, I don't think you could either. Now, Christ's birth is announced. Now, in the sixth month, she waited five months. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. 
And then the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, How can I do this? That I have a man. What are you talking about? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, God gave her a sign. Go to Elizabeth, your relative. She's conceived a son also in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her whom was barren. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord let it be to me. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it be to me. Say it again. Let it, man, I'm not telling you you're going to get pregnant. Come on, we're moving in the spiritual world. Let it be to me. Let what be? All the promises of God, all the righteousness of God, all the abundance of God, strengthening your faith, giving you the promise that comes out of a barren womb, and God says, look at that, I've brought life. Can I not bring something into you that I create now in this time that was never created before? Can I not give you the vision of God that I've instilled in you from before the beginning of time? Activate it, breathe upon it, give it life, give it a heartbeat. It's been there for five months, you didn't know, but here it is the sixth month. Here it comes now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let it be now according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Message delivered. Hmm. Wow. There's a transformation that occurs, and I'm ending with this. I think you got the message. Got at least the platform of the message. I got so much. Too much. I don't know. That's all right. Here's the message. The righteousness that God favored Elizabeth and Zacharias was a righteousness born on an account of the law. It's a debt. An account means it's a debt. It's like a debit card. They had an account of righteousness unto God. God transformed that in his mercy and grace into his righteousness and he said, I'm going to put a seed premature before his time, before the Holy Spirit has been released upon the earth and his name shall be called John. And he will prepare the way for me and he will be full of the Spirit of God even prior to coming out of the womb. Beloved, I want you to know something. You didn't just stumble upon Jesus. You just didn't get so down, so depressed, so fortunate, whatever you want to call it one day, that all of a sudden you got the illumination and the revelation of Jesus Christ. That spirit was already alive inside of you. Jesus had put it inside. The angel had passed over you. God had passed over you. He had said, I've known you since before you were born. I created you before you were in the womb. You were created to do the things of God that you can now do, but you must say, let it be according to to your word, according to your word. There's a righteousness that's in account. 
There's a righteousness that was the righteousness of Abraham. Righteousness in Abraham was accounted to him for righteousness. It was not that he was made righteous. You had an account of righteousness in you. It's called in the heavenly place. You were predestined according to Romans 8. And then you were called. And after you were called, you were justified, which is righteousness. You were made righteous. And after you were made righteous, you were sanctified. You were set apart for God. And after you were set apart for God, you walked into glorification, which is the very essence, power, abundance, the fullness of God Almighty. But you were predestined, just like John was predestined, just like Jesus was predestined. So are you predestined. And you were predestined, but now you've moved from an account of righteousness to where you have a debit card to where you've been made righteous, right? We've said it so many times, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He was made sin who knew no sin that you by me made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've been made the righteousness of God. John the Baptist is a phenomenal exception. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, he had to be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You can't have the filling of the Holy Spirit without being made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit cannot reside in foreign temples. It cannot move with a strange fire. The Holy Spirit must be fueled and fired in the very Spirit of God. And Paul himself said that he is the Spirit of your body. Christ is the Spirit of your body. So now we understand what was happening here. This was a foreshadow. To prepare the way of the Lord, there had to be a transition. A transition from what was the law and the prophets, and the best you could have was an account for righteousness, to a move of righteousness that would prepare the way for the coming of the king of righteousness. And the two overlapped. They were six months apart. John and Jesus, alive in the earth at the same time, but Jesus did not receive his assignment till he was baptized by John in what was had to, to be the passing of the baton. The scepter of righteousness fell upon him at that point. Beloved, we're in a very prophetic time. We're in a time when there's a transition just like there was then. It was the law and the prophets, and then came Jesus. And Jesus said, you had the law and the prophets with John, but now here I am. And with that ushered in the body of Christ. With, with that ushered in Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit to fill whomsoever shall believe and call upon the name of the Lord. With that came the eternal forgiveness of sins. With that came all that he had promised in the abundance of God through all of his prophets and in Isaiah and the rest that called about the righteousness coming. With it all came, but beloved, something new is now born in the earth. And that's something new is the kingdom of God is about to come in the fullness of the Messiah. Jesus is coming. And there's an overlapping. There's an overlapping that's happening just like it did with John and Jesus with an account of righteousness and the righteousness of God being made into us. And now there's a faith. There's another faith. And all of this moves from a faith to a faith. Faith unto righteousness is the word of God in Romans 3. Faith unto righteousness. We'll get into it deeper, and I'm going to close with this. There's a faith that is moving us unto a greater move of God. 
and that greater move of God we have yet to fully comprehend. Close your ears to the prophetic voices that are trying to tell you exactly what God's going to do. Close your ears to them. It's chaos. It's confusion. In some, God help me, pray for me. It's the blind leading the blind. Close your ears. Open your hearts and your spirit to the real thing that God's doing in the earth. First and foremost, he needs to do a work in the body of Christ. We can pray all we want for the politicians and the governments and the social moves and the economies and for everybody else and all the sinners in the world and all the souls that need saved. Boy, aren't we something. But where the real work needs to be done, Jeannie, is in the body of Christ. God needs to do his work in all of us and preparing the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs to stand up in its righteousness. The body of Christ doesn't even know it's righteous. <laughs> I give the, the message of righteousness and most people look at me like deer in the headlights. Uh, uh, because it's not preached. People want other things. They want other ways. They want to hear about everything on the way to righteousness, but they don't want to hear the, the, the word of righteousness. And you know what? It comes with a cost. The cost is called obedience and holiness. If you really want to move in the fullness of the power of righteousness, we need to obey. And we need to walk holy. And we need to strive to walk holy. None of us can walk holy in our own flesh, but we can all walk holy in the righteousness of God if we only will say, yes, Lord, I believe your word, I'll do it. That's what's required of us right now. And only when the body of Christ is prepared and ready are we going to see the move of God that everybody's hungry and praying for. And let me say something else to you. Don't count it by numbers. Don't count it by denominations. Don't count it by churches. The body of Christ is a spiritual thing that needs to be dealt with spiritually. I remember early on in my days, very, very early on, I had so many visions in dreams of God, I thought everybody did. I was locked up in that home on Selma Avenue for, for a year. And I would, God would show me things and I didn't quite understand why. I thought everybody was getting them. I didn't know what I was seeing. One of the things I saw was I saw the, 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 the frail, the frail health of the church. It was an elderly woman. She was broken and bleeding. And then the Lord gave me Ezekiel 34 and he showed me that the, 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 the necks bleeding from the sheep and the cattle that he was breaking the false yokes off of from the false shepherds. That all has to happen now, you understand? There's a lot of yokes that have been put on the sheep of God. I had somebody ask me just last week, how can, how can sheep not see this? And I said, because the shepherds aren't showing them. Ezekiel 34 is a terrible description of the pastorate and the prophetic and the apostolic of the church. God says, I'm against them because they eat the grass that's supposed to feed my sheep and they don't even leave them a residue. They don't even leave them the stubs to gnaw on. They take it all. I need a new golf stream. I don't care who hears it and sees it. Shame on you. $62 million. I need it now. Eat the stubble. God's got to tear those things down. And the prophetic voices that come out and say the truth are going to be the ones that are shunned. You're not going to be in the inner circle. You're not going to be invited to the right things. 
That's the time we're in. That's the time we need to be at. No, we're not casting judgment. We're casting truth. We're saying, come out. Come out of those things, sheep. You are the righteousness of God. Can you imagine if John the Baptist refused to baptize in the muddy Jordan River? How many of you have ever been there? It's pretty muddy. It's not like you're going off the shores of South Beach or somewhere, you know, down in Cancun where the Cancun where the waters are crystal clear. And some of you are smiling. You've been in it. Mucky, dirty water. John said, oh, I don't want that. Give me $10 million. I want my own jacuzzi. <laughs> Give me a swimming pool with chlorine in it. I want some steps that go down in. Give me some of those nice shoes you buy in Walmart to keep your feet from stepping on stones when you go in the water. That's the place we're at. Zacharias got his prayer answered, and he was afraid of the answer. God shut his mouth up until he believed the answer and saw it. The first witness became the first one to proclaim. There we are, there we sit, what shall we do with it? Let it be according to thy word, O Lord. You and I, we're the spirit of Elijah. We're to prepare the way. You can look for him if you want to come back with his old beard and everything else. He ain't coming. Jesus is coming. Moses ain't coming. Jesus is 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 coming. And the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And that whole earth doesn't mean everybody that calls themselves a believer. It means those who have the heart of righteousness. Amen.